What's up, guys and gals? Welcome to episode 21 of the Captain Nonsense Podcast. Um, this is three, it's the three Pete of Loyola guys um already. Did the Dodgers fuck it up yet, guys? Um no, the Dodgers didn't <laughs> fuck it way. up. We haven't gotten any, we haven't gotten any text in the group chat. So I think yeah, we good. haven't gotten any text in the group chat. I, I I mean my phone is on airplane mode. I mean, I could totally put on do not disturb if I want, but I, I think I want to kill two birds in one stone by you know, having a stopwatch on this. And on top of that, like, um, because it's on airplane mode, which basically means my phone is probably going to fly and charge faster. I don't know what I'm saying anymore, but anyways. Um, <laughs> so we got, we got two guests right here. Um, absolute electric factory of guests, um, for today. Um, and the bottom, whoever's watching the YouTube version of this, like who, Osa's got bottom. I got top <laughs> funny. Um, Osa, Osamu Adler. That's my guy right there. Osa, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm pretty good, man. Pretty good. Um, I I know that for and to my, mm-hmm. is it like yeah to my left basically on the official recording, Javier Rosco. How are you doing, my guy? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thank you for yeah. having us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I know that it, it's been a long time coming to get you guys on this pod because I just I just finished my finals last week and now I could resume recording and there's like a handful of people on cue that I really want to get out of the way. And then, you know, initially I was, I was planning to have you guys um, have your own episode, but then um, I kind of just slipped it that Osa was going to be on an episode and Javi was like, bro, if you, me and Osa do a podcast, like this is just going to be us talking for three hours. So fine. Like we're going to go ahead and do that. Like if it takes three hours of this episode, then fine. Like we're going to do that. So yeah. You got to have both mixed race cuties on the episode at once. (laughs) Dude, I'm the only full bred kid here. Because you guys, yeah, you got whoa, that's crazy. So you Javi is what are you? For uh, the fans, I know what you are, but like fans yeah, don't. Yeah, uh half white, half Mexican, and, and yeah. I don't I don't really like getting into what the white part is because it's all white. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember when I remember when I asked Javi this. Um, but like I think it was because I had Dr. Diaz with you. No, I didn't it wasn't you didn't even tell me this then i think i remember when you first transferred one of the first things you told me was yeah the only thing the only thing mexican about my name is um the only thing mexican about me is my name <laughs> i remember that was one of the first things you told me when when i met you and then osa right here you are um for the fans you are a mix of uh i am half white half japanese and i'll say one white. i'm german irish so yeah yeah oh man but but anyways guys like i have these guys in our in our group chat which is basically um a dodgers um i don't even know how to describe it therapy group hate um is dodgers hate group and because we hate them like they're it's the most frustrating team of all time um i don't think i've ever trusted them once in my life um they won the world series but i still don't trust them um i'm pretty sure everybody else here like agrees with me on that one right um since we're on the topic like what is it like what is still like your most heartbreaking dodgers moments i feel like i feel like some of the most some dodger moments are more gut-wrenching than like getting curved or getting stood up like when i'm trying to you know go somewhere with uh, i got whatever, i got one you know? that comes out right out the bat and that would okay. be a, that nationals dodger series where Dave Roberts put in Clayton Kershaw on short day's rest and he gave up a bomb to Juan Soto to tie the game. That <sighs> was crushing mostly because uh, I was, you know, up at college. I was watching the game with uh, one of our other buddies and we were the only Dodgers yeah. fan there. Everyone else were Giants fans and Mariners. Oh, because you're, you're up in the base. That's even worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so 
uh, you know, there were 20 people there. We're all watching. It was just not a fun time because <laughs> we were like, ah, our team's good this year. We're locked in. And then, yeah. and boom, we suck. Oh, my but, God. But uh, it's all good. And then, Javi, what about you? Um, I mean, I would have to say the last game, you know, 2017 World Series. Because, yeah. Just because but at the start of it, like, I'm already taking a stats midterm. Uh-huh. So, like, I'm already not happy that day. Like, I didn't do well on it. You know, <laughs> I had a really tough teacher. Yeah. And I'm coming out like, oh, fuck, I just failed a test. But at least I get to see my Dodgers win a World Series. I was hyped after game six. I'm like, fuck yeah. it, we can do it. And then, yeah. fuck, I come out and I see the score already. I'm like, oh, bro, are you kidding me, bro? And then just, just watching that last pitch of, like, you know, like this team – like 2017, uh-huh. like because we because of the what we know about the Astros now, tw- that 2017 team was not going to lose to anybody. Like no. that was one of the best baseball teams ever. No, and just for a season, a magical season like that, you know, come to an end. You know, wild horses like last ride. You know, like yeah, and there was just so many different walk offs that happened that year. It was like it was insane. It was like you you, you just cannot write that. And then you know, for a team to just kind of take it away from you because of you know because you find out that they cheated, it was just so bad. I mean, I would I mean, say like, that you know, so, yeah. I mean, no like, finish your thought, dude. Like the season, Ross Stripling pinched ran, and Austin Barnes got a double to walk <laughs> off a game. Like that shit happens when you're cruising, when you're having fun like can you like oh it's just uh. no and then didn't they also i mean at the same time the fact that oh go ahead go ahead no didn't they also lay dave roberts like dad's ashes somewhere like what was that or was Uh, that no because i heard that from someone i don't know like how true that one was but i think i remember someone was telling me that they like laid dave roberts at dave roberts dad's ashes somewhere in dodger stadium so i remember someone was like dude what if it's the ashes? Like, I mean, it made sense. Like, look at what every, look at everything that happened that season. Like we just, we, we swept the D backs and then we, we basically murdered the Cubs in the NLCS except for that one game. And then, you know, like we, we, we had a good game one. Like that was like Kershaw's like Kershaw winning game one to me was like, okay, I think we got the series. Like he's definitely got the playoff and postseason monkey off his back. If he wins game one of the world series and his first ever appearance, by the way, I mean, when um, Chris Taylor takes the first pitch of the World Series deep, I'm like, okay, bro, this is going to be a cakewalk. Like, we chilling. That's what I thought, too. I was – and, like, that following week was so good because I did so well in a on a practical for, like, a class that I was doing at complete ass 99 at. And I was like, okay, like, I'm going to ride the Dodgers way because – and I ended up doing well in most of my tests, too, only to be just, you know – heartbroken after halloween I was, I was so mad i even wore benny the jet rodriguez as a costume guys like come on that ruined me man that ruined my life um but ah shit someone's on third anyways um so osa mm-hmm. um so you and i and you remember notre dame simp girl the one that i the notre dame simp um the notre dame girl that i simped over on the snapchat story I mean, we kind of all did. Okay, because, uh, and I, I think I briefly met. I, be, I think I briefly mentioned this in the episode with Gus because that was honestly like that was the inspiration of like why I ended up just being like a lunatic on Snapchat with the like, whole game day shit. Um, because I wasn't it like every single day I, I would text Os and be like, "Hey man, Notre Dame girl." I wouldn't even <laughs> say anything. I would just text Os like, "Hey Notre Dame girl," and you know from there. And then also we would we would talk about um, 
all the like college game day like college game day was just such a fun thing to watch for all of us i'm pretty sure you feel that i'm pretty sure you watched it too right javi like did you wake up at did you wake up in the morning on saturdays to watch college game day if you could oh just to read the signs bro yeah to read the signs um i mean we osa and i were in the band um and then we we would also talk about you know the the snapchat stories that would come with it and i remember people would always just be like hey it's game day it's game day and they would do some dumb shit while it was on there and then i was telling osa this one time i was like hey let's do that like i think we could do that too um because you remember the band bus right sure sure yeah i mean yeah you're, uh, you're pretty rambunctious <laughs> oh dude yeah we did we did crowd surfing in that band bus javi did you ever go in the band bus no um actually just be like you know like all my years at loyola i was either a manager or I played football one year, so I was never, like, uh, I was never like, you know, going to games as a student. Yeah, no, because I, I, I couldn't remember because there was a bunch of like random people that ended up just being on the band bus with us. And it was like, it, it ended up just being like a, like this cool thing that we had. But I, and I just thought that like you were one of them. That was but, probably the coolest thing about band because we weren't very good. <laughs> no, 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 we were not. We were not a great band. Like we were just such, we were just such an electric group of kids. Like we, we were, we were better than the student section, you know? Um, well, I mean, the sad thing is about that uh, is, I mean, Loyola has such a plethora of great sports mm -hmm. and the sad part is unlike other high schools, our student section doesn't get that crazy unless it's for a big basketball game or a big yeah. volleyball game or, or a big football game. Mm -hmm. um, but going back to your, your previous uh, mention about you know how the whole game day started yeah i think one thing that's uh important to mention is you mentioned game day you mentioned snapchat well yeah snapchat that was in what like 2016 2016 snapchat looked so much different than yeah. snapchat we know today and i think mm -hmm. that's an important distinction that we have to make because there were no public stories until our senior year there were no uh there were no ads or big people you followed on snapchat you yeah. it was most a very personal thing and mm -hmm. you watch stories just from your friends and then along came game day and then snapchat was like hold on people really like this and yeah i think you can see that idea not only expanded just to us and just our mm -hmm. own little small circle of friends but expanded to, to what you see today where yeah. people really followed just influencers content creators athletes mm -hmm. um events even have their own snapchat things and it right. really kind of molded kind of how social media worked in that aspect uh right. yeah seriously and i i mean we had like this it, it ended up just becoming like um an unintentional like media giant that we that a few of us created um and around that time was also like the last time snapchat was very candid um there were there weren't any ads like nothing there looked artificial it was just raw content of people at like events like really enjoying it you know you had no memories it was you send a snapchat and yeah. it was gone 10 seconds um, at the most and then uh, there was no there was also no screen record option for iphones at that time either so the only thing that you could do like if you wanted to sit quote unquote save something is just screenshot it and like if somebody on Twitter, if somebody was able to screenshot it the next time you probably would see it, it was on Twitter because you couldn't replay it. Like if you, well, I, I think you could, right. You could yeah, replay replays, it. Replays. Yeah. There were replays, but you know, I mean, they would expire after 24 hours and. Um, well, you got one for 24 hours instead of however many they give you. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
Osa and I and, and Gus were just like, hey, let's do that, but with us. And then, you know, we just we just started doing this thing where we'd ask people questions or we, they would just do something. Or there would like be random like classmates that said like, hey, Adrian, like I, I saw your I saw your story, like get me on that. Like I want to do something. Um, I think I think Javi had some like funny ass comments in there. I, I know one of them for sure was, um, you know, I think one of the greatest that I did and I didn't even save it was um, that Harvard Westlake basketball game. Um, we lost. Fuck me. God damn it. Did you guys see this? No, I haven't yet. Oh, the Dodgers oh, lost? Yeah, we yeah. I mean, I, I I'm surprised I'm not numb to this. Great. Yeah, we lost. Anyways, now I could focus on you guys. I could give you guys attention, like fully. <laughs> no, no, not that I wasn't giving you attention, but um Javi, um, since you yeah, now that we're talking about like Harvard Westlake, um you were the manager. Um, you mentioned that you were the manager and you played a little bit of football. You want to tell everybody um, kind of your journey that because you started with Loyola and I do know that you ended up being the guy. I, I, don't, I mean, that's what I saw. I saw that you were just the guy um, for LMU basketball. Um, at some point, you were also the guy for um, Loyola, Loyola basketball as well. Um, tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my origins when it first of all, I don't want to say I was the guy for Loyola high school basketball, just because um, shout out my boys, Dominic Maines and Sam Pombar. Uh-huh. Those guys. I love those guys. To death. Uh-huh. Like those are the, they were the most dedicated managers, I think out of all of us, but I would say, yeah. um, so I, I did like summer school, everyone did Loyola summer school, but mm-hmm. I did the, like the basketball classes cause they were fun. It was like, you know, back when, you know, you had a bunch of energy, you know, I mm-hmm. have energy anymore, but, um, <laughs> and I, as, as everyone does, I developed a really good relationship with coach Adams. Like yeah, he, he made me want to go to Loyola high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up transferring in sophomore year just cause I didn't know about it freshman year. Yeah. Um, but, um, so when I transferred in, I already had that connection with coach Adams and I knew coach Yates, but, um, and they're like, man, we want to get you involved in the program. And, Mm-hmm. Y'all remember in high school, like my fat ass wasn't going to fucking run fucking 40 minutes on a basketball court, but, um, you, you know, said like, it, not me, <laughs> hey, you right? said it, not me. Um, so, you know, they were trying to get me involved. Um, and so I started managing the JV team. Um, that's when like, you know, Hale was playing JV and Nike mm-hmm. playing JV, like Kyle Reese, Christian Corsal, like all these cool guys. And yeah. Uh, with coach Picada. I don't know if you guys ever knew that guy. Oh, coach P. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a great experience, you know, like, um, getting to ride with the team, like eat with the team, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of, kind of be part of a team and without like, you know, going through the grueling practices and stuff. But what was cool about, you know, practice is like they would, the coaches would just let us shoot around for practice. Like mm-hmm. you even have times where we would just play one-on-one between the managers and like one of the course. It was great. Um, right. And so, uh, you know, and then junior year, I decided to play football because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm big, like maybe I should mm-hmm. put it to some sort of use, but I was terrible at football. Yeah. Um, the, uh, my worst memory of football was this two, 300 plus pound, actually maybe one of them wasn't 300 plus, but yeah. a guy named Joe Bolin and this guy named Aaron Castillo. Um, oh, I, yeah, I, I two, hear two about those linemen. I got double teamed during a practice drill and i had a blue pad but i got pushed back i swear 
I got pushed back, but I was on the ground sliding for probably 10 more yards. It's <laughs> like, bro, what the fuck am I doing here, bro? <laughs> oh, no. Like, um, but Never I did mind. meet, I did have a good group of friends. It was funny hanging out with the head asses, uh, you know, <laughs> Flores, George Holmes, Mitch uh-huh. and uh, Matthew Yu. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I was around the gym a lot and seeing Coach Adams a lot. He was like, hey, when, you know, when you're done with football, uh, I want you to be a varsity manager. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, shit. Jordan gear, baby. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I was like, I keep seeing Father Barb with all these J's around school. I'm like, I need some of those, man. So, mm-hmm. yeah, junior and senior year, just did it. Um, yeah. Had a great time doing it. Uh, got a lot of gear. Um, you know, had good time, shared tears with the boys. Just, yeah. Just, you know, um, you have great guys like, you know, Max Hazard, mm-hmm. Stone Gettings, Josh Curls, Josh Laverne, you know. Yeah um and then, oh man shout out max and stone um they they yeah. played fifth year for arizona um unfortunately miller didn't know how to use them so like yeah. of course oh, god so annoying um, well, you know just like watching that uc irvine tournament run just being like you know like that was my boy in high school yeah i know all of us were so proud all of us were so proud of him man and i i think i remember running into max at um one of the bars in downtown um I don't know what happened, but I think he saw my lanyard because I always like obviously carry my keys around. And I was like, yo, Max, like, and then he was like, I don't, I don't know. I think he just like was familiar with my face because I mean, I, I I've run into this. I've run into this situation a handful of times with, um, you know, former Loyola people at U of A, even though I barely knew him, they like, we just recognize each other's faces. Like, I don't know if you guys know Cole Ryan, but, um, I had like one class, like I had one class with Cole Ryan. Like that was honestly the only time I ever saw him around. And then the next time I saw him was like at the bars at, it was at the bars on a Saturday night. And he just pointed at me and I was like, Oh shit. Like, I was like, Holy shit. It's Cole. And then, you know, same thing applied to Max, same thing applied to stone. I didn't even really talk to Max and stone, but like, that's just, you know, that's just something that we had with, um, with people from Loyola, but, um, we'll, we'll get more into that later. Um, and then, like, what were your duties as a manager for Loyola, though, Javi? Uh, for Loyola High School. Um, like, as your duties as, like, a manager. Like, were, did you do stats? Like, did you do? Uh, so, so as a JV, you know, you did, like, the stat book, which mm-hmm. was, you know, writing down stats. It was, it was kind of hard just kind of like keeping your head up and down during the game. Um, yeah. Uh, timeouts, you know, getting the players water and towels, stuff like that. And sometimes at practices, you know, they'd have us, like, bring – like pads out like there's actually one layup drill but like javi take this pad i want you to hit every player as hard as i can to you know just like helping helping carry food just like that sort of it was, it was kind of simple in high school to be honest uh-huh. like okay after doing the college stuff yeah um but and then on varsity it's kind of cool like they it was like a, they gave you an ipad which like directly directly connected to max preps yeah like did shooting charts and so it was all digital it was really cool actually oh wow yeah i like that i like that shit that's nice oh, yeah. yeah um and then like your your journey through lme basketball how did you how are you able to land that oh so freshman year um you know i i honestly like i hadn't heard too much about lmu um okay. even just being a kid in la but um i did this thing i was two in college and i did this thing called the latino overnight it was like, all oh, the, you know, students. Yeah. Um, and I was like, dude, this place is awesome. I want to come here. Mm-hmm. And they let us tour the gym and like the rec center. Mm-hmm. I saw some dude in there, like wearing like LME pride stuff. He's like, 
and I was telling him like I'm a freshman I'm interested in like you know joining pride but it was like the student group and mm-hmm. um, it was called the cage now it's called the pride now but whatever um, okay yeah and I was telling him like yeah I want to work for the team too he's like dude here's this guy's email like that's you know, it he just did just gave it to you yeah it's just it's uh it was the graduate assistant <laughs> time, which i don't know if people, you guys know how basketball like staffing works but yeah one of the assistant coaches and like the director of basketball operations there's usually like two to three grad students that are called grad assistants mm-hmm. um they're usually former players sometimes they're not but so I, I emailed him and you know i just got i got the job because i needed people at such a small school yeah and our basketball program wasn't that good at the time mm-hmm. um and I was like, okay, it's going to be like high school. It's going to be fun. Like, no, dude. Like, oh. I'm up at 5 a.m. setting up practice, like uh, making Powerade from scratch. Just like I, I'm oh. getting all this equipment out. It has to be out an hour before practice. I'm doing shot clock during practice. If you screwed up, you get yelled at. <sighs> Running to the other side of the court during practice to get a ladder and put a rim cap on. Like, <laughs> and, then, and, then when you, and then when you travel, you like, you, you're missing like three days of school. Sometimes you're traveling and everything's got to be like fast, fast, ready, like equipment, laundry, just all that stuff. And just like, um, I think, I think my other managers, because I was the only one for a bit my sophomore year, because like everyone everyone after my freshman year quit yeah oh <laughs> like, i mean i i could that. imagine because like that <laughs> workload seems super dreadful but yeah. you know you definitely yeah. stuck with it so there oh power yeah, to you. yeah I, i'm just i'm just kind of like you know i was like the coaches like really took a liking to me and you know mm-hmm. freshman year that's when uh, my dad's all good now that's when my dad had a had a brain tumor like mm-hmm. right in the middle of my freshman year and the coach is like you know like really good with me like they called mm-hmm. me and kept me up like to you know give them status updates stuff so I was like okay i gotta i gotta stick it out with these guys like these guys care about me and things like that so. yeah seriously like if they if you have a group of people and that's rare nowadays from any sort of um from any sort of like you know learning environment you know like oh, yeah. i don't i don't know if all these people like ever look out for your like for your best interest and in this case it definitely benefited so i think that was like you know that was just an easy in for you to just keep going and you know because they ran through a wall for you i mean they ran through multiple walls for you and then i clearly um you stuck you stuck through with it um yeah and And just to kind of wrap up you know i would say like uh sticking through was a great choice because like my my roommates my best friends my other with the other managers like um like senior year you know Mm -hmm. like because I was a senior, I got to do all the trips. So like just in senior year, I was in Portland, Spokane, mm-hmm. Seattle, the Bahamas, Washington, yeah. DC, Reno. Like, I went to all these places <laughs> in one year Yeah, and, and getting loads of Adidas gear and um, just not ever having to pay for food. Cause we would just, <laughs> we were just, cause all, my manager roommates too. So we would just like ration all the leftovers from team dinners and just like, it was just like you being on the sidelines, like on the bench on during a D one basketball game is mm-hmm. just electric. Like, cause you hear all the crowd noise coming down mm-hmm. and it's just, it's like playing at UCLA poly pavilion, like, you know, being on the court during like mm-hmm. family weekends and like student week, it was just, it was great. And getting a small school like LMU, and walk around with like the basketball gear like where you get that i'm like man you can't get this <laughs> <laughs> that's like the hardest flex of all time man and then like yeah. like how much of the, how much of like a other adidas kicks did you get like did you guys get did you get like a lot of free hardens or oh um, yeah hardens i got a couple pair of damian lillard's the sweats 
uh, I got sweats. I got, I got, I'm uh, actually wearing something right now. Yeah. I got quarter zips, t-shirts. Like I got drawers full of stuff. I've even gifted people stuff. Um, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess the last thing I would say is the, my favorite thing is um, because I was so like vocal about being a manager to people, like trying to get people to recognize LMU as a basketball school. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would say like a, a lot of people, when the first thing they think of me is LME basketball. Yeah. <laughs> and well, now, I mean, like you are, now, <laughs> you are to me coming off, you know, one of our best seasons in years and, you know, our best recruiting class in years next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have potential to get one of those at large bids in our conference. So mm-hmm. I think being able to be associated with that program when they start being good again, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh shit. Like, that was big time. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm starting to also see kind of like the cultural, the cultural shift um, in LME basketball, because in the nineties, like you guys were, wait, what was uh, Paul Westfall's offense called? Um, I mean, it was a run and gun offense. Yeah. Right? It's just running gun, like score. It's just like, a run and gun. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's, I think to be honest, like no disrespect to Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball and you know, mm-hmm. prior, but, I think we've been holding on to that tradition aspect for too long. For too long. Okay. I, I think like it's good having rich tradition, but like the Dodgers, like it's good having rich tradition traditions, but like mm-hmm. if you're not executing, if you're not performing now, if you're not winning in a conference that other than Gonzaga and BYU is pretty winnable, mm-hmm. you know, I think, yeah. and especially in LA, like there's, you don't have to be a four or five star recruit to be good in LA. Like mm-hmm. there's two and three star recruits that are really good in LA, but they're just not labeled as four and five stars because there's just no more labels to go around. Yeah. You know? So I think, you know, and LMU is such a beautiful campus on the beach in Playa Vista. Like, come on, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, Oh, that's awesome. Um, And then also like, I, I don't think I ever taught, I don't think I ever asked you about, um, I don't think I ever asked you much about like Santa Clara's um, I guess, sports environment. I mean, I know that you have what, like, what, what non-existent. All right. Like yeah. how about like, so what are, what are Santa Clara's best sports? Like I heard. Women's soccer. soccer dude. Women's oh, okay. Soccer, yeah. Tell us about that. Uh, I had a buddy who was a manager kind of similar to what Javi did. Uh-huh. Uh, like not drills for women's soccer and all that. Um, made the tournament every year I was there. Yeah. The game was fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know when I, I like hear Javi talk about, you know, how LMU could potentially be a much better basketball program. Yeah. Um, I guess what my first initial thoughts are, um, is what he says, well, let's start, let's just start with the basics. Uh, yeah. the WCC, um, you have Gonzaga <laughs> and then you have 50 yeah. craft. Uh-huh. BYU, 50 more feet of crap, and then the rest <laughs> with LMU, you know, coming slowly up because yeah. every other program besides, well, St. Mary's is going down. Santa Clara's never been good. Pepperdine, well, they're Pepperdine. Um, is it Romar Santa- there? Is it Ro- Lorenzo Romar, the coach at Pepperdine? <laughs> <laughs> he might be, but. Right? How, isn't uh, he? Yeah, it's Romar. Dude, he, yeah. he was U-Dubs coach, and then he became Arizona's assistant coach. And then he left, and then I it turns out that he's like now the coach of Pepperdine. And I remember we barely beat him. we beat him by like a buzzer beater because of Nico Mannion. But like that was sure, yeah. Who, but anyways, way, go back. Going to be uh, 
going to be a nice backup to Steph on the Warriors now that he has uh, Kerr as his, uh, as his guy. Yeah. But, um, yeah so, hey, hey, Osa, what's uh, Coach Kerr's son's name? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he has three. I'm not sure all their names, I, but uh, yeah. <laughs> totally missing out on this one, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think one of them, Steve Jr. But um, yeah. Anyways, going yeah, back. I feel to what so I left saying. out on this little inside show. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I should. A, I feel like I should know it. this. Give it a Google. Give it a Google. But oh, anyways, all right. All right. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. So what I was talking about with like a, like what Javi is saying about how LMU could be, you know, such a much better basketball program. It's a yeah. great school. Uh beautiful location great facilities i mean i was there on a campus today you know picking up stuff for my brother because he goes to um graduate school at lmu yeah and one thing that always boggled my mind uh because i've been to a lot of the wcc conference schools is how can a school like gonzaga bring in so much elite talent elite coaches shout out mark few i think he's an excellent coach yeah and have kind of this uh this program that was once viewed as the best of them as mid-majors and now is viewed as one of the best in the country mm-hmm. and what i always found interesting is gonzaga is one of the smallest schools in the wcc it's smaller than santa clara it's smaller than lmu it is smaller it's as small as pepperdine yeah it's not a big school mm-hmm. why and how could they have built such a big uh kind of school spirit behind it great basketball program behind it and what are they doing different that the other schools aren't doing is it the mm-hmm. administration is it the athletic director it's that's one thing that i've always thought um is an investment by the school to say hey uh we're going to dump a lot of money into the basketball program mm-hmm. and i think one thing that's always interesting is men and women's sports both of them when they're good in college it benefits the school yeah. Uh, and how does it do that? Well, it keeps the alumni connected. It keeps the students engaged. Uh, and it also shows to uh, students who are still searching for their colleges. Hey, I want a school that has a great basketball program. I want, I want a school that has a great soccer program, football program, whatever it may be. Um, I think uh, I, I'm, I can't quote it because I don't have it in front of me. But uh, I've read multiple studies that say that there is a strong correlation between a boost in academics, a boost in student health, mm-hmm. and good college sports. Yeah. Um, so why is it that Gonzaga can make that jump? And Gonzaga has, uh, if you look at their school from 20 years ago versus now, yeah. their business school is much more lauded, their engineering school. Uh and could you say, is that because of basketball or is it mm-hmm. um, a side effect of having a good basketball program? Um, I don't know. I've, I've always found that interesting. Sheesh. I, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll take a, I'll take a stab at your first question about Gonzaga. I think yeah. one of the reasons they're so good is because from what I remember, I feel like Mark Few and Gonzaga was one of the first teams to utilize the whole, we're going to take players from overseas that are already mm-hmm. like 20 years old and roll yeah. them in American schools as freshmen. Like these are guys that have been playing professionally at some point. These are guys that already have a good foundation of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. 
they were the first they were the first school to i think utilize it um like to to a to its like full extent from what i remember guys like sabonis kelly olenic you know um, oh who's canadian uh, right i i thought yeah. olenic was i thought olenic wasn't born in the u.s i thought he he's, i don't think he is he's not. i'm not sure where he's from but um yeah. also what's his name the dude from uh adam morrison right yeah, Adam Morrison. Yeah, but he yeah. wasn't. I thought he was like Spokane, born and raised. He might have been. It, yeah, he might have been. He might have been an outlier. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, but I mean, like you, you paired that where, like, oh my god, like Gonzaga's actually started to be consistently good, and mm-hmm. you pair that, you line that up with a year where they get, you know, Nigel Williams Goss from UW, they mm-hmm. get Ryan Matthews from Cal. They're starting to get so they have this base of good European good players. Mm-hmm. along with transfers from high major schools mm-hmm. like it's a perfect storm and, they just land and then, number one and, then and then you're recruiting yeah. and then your recruiting pitch becomes you're gonna have the best non-conference schedule in mm-hmm. the country your right. every game you play is going to be televised and like no disrespect to the other wcc schools but to be honest if i'm mark few i'm saying you will be in the ncaa tournament every year mm-hmm. like Either as almost auto bid, unless either, BYU has a good year or LMU. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But even if you lose in the WCC championship, like they did to St. Mary's, even if you lose one WCC game to BYU, like they did, you're still gonna be in the tournament. You know. Yeah, you're still like, gonna it. Yeah. Because so, it's also like viewers too. People people look at the West Coast Conference in the first like you know first team they always think about is Gonzaga, and then they're also likely gonna think about BYU. Because BYU has also made a name for themselves in other sports as well, so it's a it's a familiar name that'll get you know the eyes of people. I would say, no, I think, no, right? There's no pro sports in Spokane. There's mm-hmm. nothing else for people to go to, you know. Yeah. Like it's Spokane. It's true. I mean, there's not much in Spokane. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. I but, have uh, not. I have not. I've been there twice for basketball. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a big city. It's not a big yeah. city. It's on the eastern side of Washington, almost Idaho. Uh, it's a bitch to get to. It's not a big airport, but yeah. they have Gonzaga basketball. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you have people in other parts of Washington still buying their gear. Like it's like people in Seattle still root for Gonzaga because UW's not that great. Anyway. You have people in Los Angeles rooting for Gonzaga uh, yeah. because of the Catholic connection. I mean. I think I can think of almost 15, 20 guys from our high school uh, that that went to Gonzaga just because, oh, they got a good business school mm-hmm. uh, that's on the rise and they got a basketball program that I think is really dope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, I had I had something. To, I had a comment on, you know, what you were saying about, um, you know, schools just basically having that side effect of i guess drawing another a student body in i mean that's definitely what caught the eye that's definitely what caught arizona's eye for me when i when i chose to go to u of a at some point because i i mean i wanted you know i know a lot of people like when they when they choose a school they like want the experience quote unquote the experience and everyone's experience is different for me like i wanted to go to a sports school but i also wanted to make sure that i would go to a school that also had good programs as well um, and I guess like, like, um, honestly, like when I was a kid, I, I totally wanted to go there because it was a sports school for sure. And then afterwards I was like, okay, yeah. But then they also have, they also happen to have good programs, you know? So I'm pretty sure, like, imagine how many other people had a similar mindset as me, you know, 
Like someone let's let someone like yeah. says, I want to go to West Virginia because West Virginia football is good. And then only for you to discover that, like, oh, wow, like they have a really good program for these subjects. You know, I think it's consistent with what you said. I just never thought of it that way. You know, um, yeah. Like, I mean, also, like when it comes to sports and marketing, like I would have never heard of Abilene Christian if they didn't mm-hmm. beat Texas. Yes. You know, like I would have never heard of Appalachian State if they didn't beat Michigan that one mm-hmm. year. It's just, you know, it's just exposure. And, and also imagine like how many students wanted to go to Wichita State, <laughs> um, at least from that region, in, as opposed to KU or any of the surrounding universities within um, Kansas City and um, St. Louis area. You know, so like it. I, I, I think that a, a school's like sports program does play a factor in drawing in a student body. I just don't think it's something that like everyone really thinks about, but you know, I, I, I wonder if there's a study. I wonder if there's, I wonder if there's a study on that. Um, there, there, there are multiple studies on it. I just don't know how I'm pulled up. So I, I wish yeah. I had the forethought to think ahead, but yeah. Uh, yeah. If you just give it a quick Google, it, it's a pretty interesting, pretty interesting rabbit hole to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that, that kind of brings my next point. Like, yeah, does it fall in the administration or does it fall in the athletic department to kind of nurture that school spirit and nurture that community and nurture that uh, almost risk on their investment to say, hey, we want to go and we want to create a bitch in basketball program. Yeah. What's it going to cost? Millions of dollars. It's going to cost a new gym. It's going to cost a new practice facility. It's going to cost scouts. It's going to cost recruiting trips to Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, Europe, uh, across the whole states, Canada, Mexico, wherever it may be. Um, so how does how does how do small schools kind of value that risk versus mm-hmm. providing other resources for their students? And I think that is that is also a question because unless that program, the athletic program, turns out, you're not going to get more money from alumni. In fact, you're going to be kind of sinking. Uh, your costs into something that's not fruitful yeah uh, i think one thing that i can just immediately think to and point to is my own school santa clara mm-hmm. levy gym they redid the whole floor they redid the whole arena it looks beautiful nobody goes mm-hmm. nobody goes and why is that they don't have a great basketball program that's not to knock my school but and anyone who plays for my school but that's that's just how it is you can't compete unless you go and you get the best uh and I remember, cause I, I mean, I don't have like the greatest ideas on, on that. I mean, this is, I don't even, this is like tangent now. Um, but I know that you guys had such good points on, you know, paying players. Um, <laughs> can you guys like, how about you guys give us a refresher on that? Because for me, like, I, I just remember that, um, there was a handful of people that I've heard of, um, you know, just like through stories that they weren't able to, um, they weren't able to receive like an allowance from their parents. Like, I think they got a violation because they received allowance um, from their parents for Christmas. Um, I do remember that there was a, there was a student who committed to do um, college athletics with the NCAA, but he had to shut down his YouTube channel because it was making, you know, it was making yeah. money. Yeah. Aside from them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, I do know that, um, some of the athletes at my school, they would only get half of a meal plan. Um, and then everything else would be out of pocket. Um, 
that I think only worked out for the, um, the athletes that came from a wealthy background, but imagine everybody else, you know? So, um, you guys, I remember we were talking about it. I think I remember at some point I was like, okay, like, what if you tried to, what if you tried to give an allowance, um, to these kids, would that work? Maybe, I don't know. Um, I have such, I have such surface level, like, um, knowledge of this, but I remember you guys were bringing up like multiple different, um, different ideas of it. Um, what, what was it that you guys had again? You, anyone go first on this one. Uh, I mean, I just got a quick point before Javi jumps in here. Yeah. Um, that's something to say, but, uh, uh, Javi just pulled up a link for us that kind of just backs up my previous point, you know, Adeline yeah. Chris over $120 million just from a couple tournament appearances and tournament wins that is yeah. not scoff money and to look at these college players and you can say oh we're providing them a free education mm-hmm. how much is that education worth yeah. uh, if they're majoring and i'm not saying all college athletes are what if you know they say hey i want to take a really hard major i want to do biochemical engineering or a biology or anything like that is the school and the coach going to support that probably not mm-hmm. and so yeah it, it just goes back to the whole idea of well how do the administrations use their money and mm-hmm. going back to your point if there was a stipend for college athletes would it be the ncaa or mm-hmm. would it be the individual schools paying for it because yeah. if it's the individual schools paying for it that's just going to create an extra cost of burden on the students who pay tuition number one and number two, it's going to create an unfair balance because schools, I mean, just in the microcosm of WCC, you look in Gonzaga and you say, hey, Gonzaga, how much are you going to pay your athletes? Oh, we're going to pay them this much. Do you think Pepperdine? Do you think University of Portland? Do you think Santa Clara is going to look at their athletes and say, hey, we want to pay you the same thing? Mm-hmm. Probably not. And so would that right. just would that create what we're seeing in college sports where there is a disparity between the teams and the colleges that win? versus the ones that don't are we going to talk about in football your alabamas your clemson's your ohio states your lsu's uh your georgia's your notre dames that those like upper echelon of elite elite teams who actually have a shot to win the title versus Mm -hmm. say a mid-major program like colorado back in the years they were very good they won championships or nebraska they're unheard of now Mm -hmm. um so would it level the playing field or would it uh, create a greater disparity between the colleges? I'm not so sure. Uh, I'm not so sure on that. And I think Javi was one of the ones who brought that up. So yeah. Javi, if you can just say on this, go ahead. Floor is yours on this one. Yeah. So I guess my main points were first, Oso was kind of talking about it. Like it, it's like, even if Duke has the worst year basketball wise of their life, a kid's going to pick Duke over like a small WCC school mm-hmm. and like also saying if they're offered stipends on top of that there's no there's no like the competition gap is just going to keep widening mm-hmm. and yeah. I think another thing is if there was a stipend I don't think it's not coming from the NCAA they've shown time and time again like they're looking to not spend money, not <laughs> yeah. money over and over don't get me started on the NCAA I think they're one of the most yeah even 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 though like they get all this like all these viewers every now and then and then they just make you know all these big ass tournaments <laughs> we don't yeah. have to get there but and, but like I think if I think a hundred percent players should be able to profit off their name and likeness like mm-hmm. I, I just don't get why that's so harmful 
like I don't think it takes away from their quote unquote amateur status, like Mm -hmm. professional, like, and and when it comes to like high, like any, any D one program, really, to be Mm -hmm. honest, like even at LMU, like at like basketball players, football players said like they're treated very well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, no matter what constant medical attention registered, like people, obviously like academic advisors for like the basketball teams like Duke and, you know, like they, yeah. all they have to do is like get them through one year, but schools like LMU, like shout out to like, academic advisors that work with our basketball team, because like for four years, like they're, they're on top of each kid mm-hmm. and, you know, like they're getting this attention in terms of like being clothed, housed, you know, like food, mm-hmm. like even a small school like LMU, like, you know, good on LMU. I think treat, they treat, at least when I was on basketball, they treat the basketball players well, the coaches well, mm-hmm. you know, the managers well. Yeah. And I think if we had to pay a stipend to the players on top of that, one, it'd be like, I think it'd be a little too much because like, mm-hmm. I mean, I like there, there wasn't much I saw that the players really needed to spend their own money on, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't like just stuff doing for fun. Right. And like, if all that money is continuing to go to the basketball team, then how are we going to be able to get to fund sports like LMU beach volleyball, who just mm-hmm. won the WCC championship and is in the tournament. That's awesome. That's awesome. Be- but beach volleyball, they don't have TV deals. Like they don't have huge like endorsements. Like they don't, they can't, you know, get, they can't draw huge crowds and crowds that are pay to watch. Like, right. And they, it has to be funded somehow. And I think mm-hmm. if we're, if we're paying like other sports, and if we have to provide like paychecks to players on top of um, all the perks we already get, like, and on top of all the expenses, like traveling hotel and stuff, like, I honestly think like a lot of small schools in America, they're just like, screw it. We have to cut all these programs. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's a great point. Can I jump on that? Yeah, um, of course. I don't think it's just even small schools that we have to worry about Javier. I think that, uh, I mean, sister school, Stanford, they've cut 15, 15, one, five mm-hmm. programs just in the past year alone. They cut That's wrestling, news to me. Volleyball. Uh, you haven't heard about this? Wait, this they was, cut, which volleyball did they cut? Men's volleyball. That was cut? Really good. Really good. The I rest, they, they cut women's volleyball title. after a national championship. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. They, they cut programs that, were, that had just had recent success up the ass um and they took away these kids scholarships and they took away all future offers and said hey we're not gonna honor these and you know if we're looking at a school like stanford how big is their endowment way bigger than any of our schools and that's that's because they're stanford they're top three school in the whole nation if even they are looking at these academic sorry these athletic programs and they're saying hey we can't afford these if the NCAA forces these schools to pay stipend. It's just going to create less opportunities for these athletes to actually mm-hmm. show their worth and show um, their, their success. And I think that is a that is a very detrimental thing and a very slippery slope. Mm-hmm. But profiting off their likeness is a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's complete bullshit that I think it was the Purdue punter mm-hmm. had a very, very successful YouTube channel. I don't know what he talked about. I just remember seeing his press release about it. He was told to shut down his YouTube with millions of followers and his TikTok with millions of 
followers all because mm-hmm. the NCAA said, no, you can't compete if you're doing that. And I think that is, that is uh, complete, just complete and utter bullshit because uh, who do you levy the blame on? Do you levy the blame on the school? You can't levy mm-hmm. the blame on the individual or is it, do you levy the blame on the NCAA? Um, so I, I think that comes to my next point and that's like, the college system in America and the way that these administrations are run, right? Um, I, I don't think they have their priorities in line. Uh, I don't think so. Don't... And um, be- like before you continue on that one, remember like Osa and I took um, Ebner with Cedric Ebner. Uh, I mean, we took Latin with Cedric Ebner. Amazing <laughs> guy. <laughs> I mean, we did like that guy. That guy also had his own like, you know, philosophy class on top of it. But I, sure. I remember him. I remember him like going off on our class and he was just saying American system, American education system does not value learning. That's and, win. Yeah. And I remember seeing a tweet and I think I've quoted this like a couple of times in other previous episodes. There was a quote by Neil deGrasse Tyson that said, um, students don't cheat. I mean, I, it was something on the lines of students cheat because the system um, I think forces them to, not i don't know it's had something on the lines of not valuing learning i think it was just you know taking tests valuing memorization and valuing, valuing short-term memory yeah and valuing it was so, it was something like that basically what it was saying is that um the system doesn't value learning um which basically makes like students more likely to cheat on exams mm-hmm. um because they have some sort of like you know numbers expectation with us you know i'm gonna find yeah. that tweet but you know Hey, back, back quick, to your point. Actually, what? Real quick, while you're finding that tweet, I just, I just want to put a disclaimer. When I said housing for our basketball players, I'm just saying they staying in dorms. I'm not saying we're doing some Penny Hardaway Memphis shit buying people houses. <laughs> this disclaimer: we're not doing any of that yeah. illegal shit. All I just, all I meant, <laughs> they staying in dorms on campus. I, I just want just Neil deGrasse Tyson cheating. Sometimes, um, sometimes people listen and they misconstrue things. We. You don't do anything illegal, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just want a disclaimer. <laughs> um, wait, and then, Osa, what were you saying? Our priorities. Um, I found the tweet, though. So it says, when students yeah. cheat on exams, it's because their school system values grades more than students value learning. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Because it does. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that now segues to whatever Osa was saying on um our school system's uh, priorities, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's like part of it. Um, I think there's a difference between uh, taking someone's words and using it as your essay versus saying, oh man, I got to learn 300 terms for this chem class, uh, for this organic chem class that I have to take, even though it's not really pertinent to my major, but my major is a science major. So mm-hmm. I have to take it. Mm-hmm. And oh shit, I failed it. Uh, now I got to take it again. Oh shit, I failed it again. Now I can't go pursue the actual major that I want, even though I may be brilliant at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still a science degree. And because I can't get past organic chemistry, well, too bad. Uh, and I, I think that, or on the opposite sand, uh, the only way I can get through organic chemistry is if I go to the bathroom and, you know, pull up on my phone, Hey, what is the organic compound of this that I need to know? And that, that's the thing. When you tell these kids, Hey, when you go into the work field, 
are you not going to have access to this information? Sure, you do need to know the basics and you need to memorize some of it. I completely mm. understand that. But we live in an age where our phones, our watches, our computers, hell, even our glasses can give mm -hmm. you instant access to information at the touch of your fingertips. Yeah. Um, at what point is there a disconnect or is there a lag between uh, modern learning and the kind of archaic administration practices of professors and colleges? Mm -hmm. um, and I, th I think that... I think that can be applied to just the whole college system. It's archaic. Yeah. Um, Explain archaic. My vocabulary <laughs> is so bad. No worries. Uh, <laughs> My vocabulary is so bad. Right, uh, kind of stuck <laughs> in its ways. Yeah. What's yeah. that? Uh, old fashioned, stuck in its ways. Okay. Okay. That's, okay. That's kind of the synonyms I would throw at that. Jesus um, Christ. I should have known that. My day. God. <laughs> no worries. No worries. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh -huh. I just think that uh, it could be organized better. I think that athletes should have access to materials. And I think that regular students should have access to materials. I think that, um, yeah. No, and then I, I know that, that it like pisses like so many people off. Like it pisses a lot of students because they're just like, oh my God, the athletes get, get all this, which like, yes, they do. Um, and then here comes us like, you know, paying um, tuition paying to go to their games and i don't know i, I think that's like that just causes like a whole social gap within like a single college um a single college system and you know college environment i mean it pisses people off but then i, I don't even know man but it's a, uh, it's just crazy it's just crazy like in knowing that you are a part of the same walk of life as these like other athletes that i guess are um i guess like treated a little bit you know catered better um, mainly because they're in what athletics, um, and then they bring in revenue and it, it's just, it, it's just wild. It's just really, really wild. I mean, uh, take a guess to how much the, uh, estimation for the, how much money the NCAA made off of the March Madness tourney. Uh, I, I feel like it's gotta be billions. Like, you know, it, it's definitely gotta be billions. It's in the billions. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I know it's in the billions. Yeah. And it is pure profit that's tv deals and they don't have to pay the players it's school paying uh paying for the players to travel and get good nutrition and be able to work out and uh just have just the best facilities at their tip of their fingers yeah um, and um now that all right whole new topic still about school sure. um you guys went to i'm the only one that didn't even go to a jesuit college you uh -huh. two did. Um, you could put quotes in my, my school for Jesuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how was, so we all went to a Jesuit high school. Mm -hmm. How was it going to a Jesuit college? Like, did you feel, did you feel a similar environment? Did you, did it feel, I mean, it's obviously different because it is, um, it, it is a larger campus. Loyola, right. like where we went was a little bit more intimate. Um, it was all boys. Mm -hmm. Um and then, of course, like we would we would all learn the values um, in smaller classrooms in high school. Um, did you guys feel that when you went to college or is it like a little bit different? Anyone can get the floor on this. Uh, um, I guess, you know, going to LMU, um, I think like having to take like theology courses and stuff like I didn't mind it because um, I'm a 
pretty religious guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think God was the reason I was at Loyola, and I think he put me at LMU for a reason. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely was very grateful for those opportunities to, like, lead a Bible study, to go, to lead a Kairos, lead retreats, like, you know, at a school where they offered that. And mm-hmm. to be honest, like, besides having to take a theology class, I think it was two, actually, but, um, you know, I wouldn't say at all LMU like shoved faith in your face. Mm -hmm. I think they gave people opportunity. Like I was in a community service org, like they gave people opportunities to do community service. Mm -hmm. They gave people opportunities to, you know, um, join like religious orgs on campus if they wanted to, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't like everyone stand up for morning prayer. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know um, they had like some cool stuff, like, you know, for different, um, religious group events like they had like these like galleries and sometimes place you could walk through like it was definitely it was definitely I think LMU did a great job because mm-hmm. um, I think now like now more than ever I feel like um, when it comes to religion mm-hmm. I just feel like I don't know I just feel like if you're trying to shove a certain way to pray a certain way to live a certain way mm-hmm. to worship a God. Yeah. I, just, I think that's why we're losing so many young people within the church. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like everyone has their own story. Like, and if you're, I'm not saying, you know, if you're atheist, you're bad. I'm just saying yeah, like every, just every Christian, like they all, we all pray differently. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to like the morals Sorry, I'm getting a little off topic. But when it comes to like morals of each religion, like there mm-hmm. isn't much, like there isn't much difference between every mm-hmm. religion of the world. So I just, yeah, it's a different mindset of how they see like their depiction of whatever God is. You know, yeah. like I remember, I remember at some point I kind of like I kind of just saw like most religions being similar. Um, I think it's just a different mindset. And it's a different like spiritual approach. Like at, like being spiritual is different, like for every single person. Like if you're spiritual, it doesn't necessarily mean it's religion. If it's spiritual, it's just, you know, anything that could en- enhance your mind. Um, and kind of, oh, oh, so I got, I got to look, I got to look. No, correct, <laughs> no, no, me no, no. correct me on that. The late no, 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 no. I, <laughs> I, I don't think it's a correction. I was just, I just, you know, I've, no, no, keep going, keep going, yeah. keep going. I, I just think that you know whatever, whatever you believe in, um, wh- whether it comes to religion, like if that's like how, if that's how that if that's what keeps your mind at peace, like I'm not here to tell you that your whatever you're believing is wrong. I think like you know, it, it's just it's just kind of scary. Like there's like some people that are always just all about like, hey, uh, whatever I believe in is correct, and you know you should do that too because I believe in that. And it's like, no, you can't, you can't do that. And, um, I think like, I mean, I think our, I think Loyola, our high school even did a good job at that because we had some Muslim students, we had some Jewish students, um, and, and they like, they welcomed them. I mean, at least like from what I, I heard, maybe that was like, maybe there's like some other issues that I didn't hear about. Um, but I do know that, you know, it started from there. And then I know that in my university, like they, they welcomed it because there was no religious affiliation anyways. Like they had different organizations i would say like the, the of, only you know? thing i would say like the only thing when it came to like religion mm-hmm. that was like kind of unique when it came to like going to a school like lmu is like when you took like business classes mm-hmm. there was like this kind of like 
separate idea of like taking like looking at business through an ethical lens yes if that makes sense like, i think i've i think i've like i think i've taken a class where they talked about that um yeah, what, what was the one that you knew um what do you mean the one that i knew like uh wait well business through an ethical lens like what did you oh so just kind of like thinking about like how you know it's not just about you know how you make money it's how you mm-hmm benefit the people around where your business operates it's how you mm-hmm. benefit the environment you know it's, it's kind of it's it kind of like you know like at Loyola high school we had that moral ethics class mm-hmm. it's kind of like trying i took a class where it was kind of like trying to bring catholic ideals into the business world yeah it, you know and you know the business world is all about like you know profits 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 but mm-hmm. i think lmu tried to come at it at more of like a you know, make profits to a point, like if you're, if you making profits is, you know, affecting, you know, your employees, infecting the environment, affecting, you know, any community that's, you know, around your business, it's mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, it, it kind of made me, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, sorry. To yeah. That. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I think what Javi's talking about is a perfect example of not only just Catholic teaching in business mm-hmm. schools, but also kind of the shift in which we're seeing uh, companies being held up to higher standards than in our parents' ages or even in the generation above us. Mm-hmm. And what Javi's talking about is at my school, we call it the triple bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's heard the phrase bottom line. We all know it means profits, mm-hmm. but how do you balance profits with ethics uh, and the environment? Mm-hmm. And that was that's what made a you know the whole triple aspect to it is, well, our companies we not only want them now to make money, but we want them to we want them to make money ethically, and we mm-hmm. want them to make it environmentally safe. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, schools in that sort um sort of in the jesuit mindset i'm sure arizona does it too and i'm sure every other business school does it and is promoting yeah. is this idea of we must hold ourselves to a higher standard and mm-hmm. i don't know if that comes from a trickle-down effect of uh our professors who are generally older mm-hmm. uh there are a lot of young professors too that promoted it of saying hey our parents generation fucked up they fucked up bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Profits were soared. Absolutely. I'm not denying that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at, uh, you know, our climate and you look at our society, have they soared as well? Um, have they, you know, flown to the highest standards that the economy has? Mm-hmm. I'd argue not. And uh, that, that, that goes back to the whole idea of, well, are the way that business school is being taught, um, are they being taught in a sense that is moral and ethical? And I think Javi touched on that when he said that LMU did a great job of bringing that point up too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had never really thought about that in my own business classes because I took quite a few at Santa Clara, mm-hmm. but that is something that they promoted. And I would be curious to hear from other business students at either non-denominational or other Christian universities that said, yeah. hey, yeah, that's what that's what they're teaching too, and I think that is a I think that's a very important point um, because it goes kind of ties back into that whole spirit spirituality and religion talk that mm-hmm. you guys are talking about. Yeah, um, where kind of the the morals of the people that live in America, but also the the morals of the people that live in the world mm-hmm. generally tied together. 
Um, they mm-hmm. all want to achieve uh, something while they're on this planet, whether that be a great job, having a family, starting a company, whatever it may be. Um, I'd, I'd argue that 90, 95% of the people in the world want to do that and they want to succeed. Um, so and just, just kind of, just kind of bring it all back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, it, is it a societal push that I'm saying? Uh, it was an ethical approach that I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure how to identify that, but it is a, it's a positive trend that I don't think is talked about enough. Yeah. Uh, kind of this ethical capitalism, mm-hmm. uh, that, that shift kind of into what we're seeing. Yeah. I think I learned in a business writing class that, um, they, I remember like one of the, one of the projects that was proposed in our class was that, okay, like you have a business, Mm -hmm. um, that is getting a lot of interest in, um, middle Eastern oil rich countries. Um, and I remember as a part of like the approach, like the case study that was presented in that class was that, um, okay, like you're going to be the representative to represent this company. Mm-hmm. The first thing I remember one of the first things that they um that they proposed for these people to do or like in this case me to do was I think they said like okay you need to make sure that you understand the basic customs because you want to be able to you know not only be a representative of this company but also be able to show that you you know you understand like their background, their cultural values, their religious values. And I think that I think part of it was um, the cultural customs, um, something as simple as, okay, like when you're at the dinner table in in Middle Eastern countries, like if you deny food that is offered to you, that is like one of the greatest like forms of offense. Rude. Yeah. You know, so it's stuff like that. Um, And and they had you teach that like in in the business class, because you want to be like a representative. You want to be, you want to be a good representative and you want them to also be interested in you. If they see that you're a person that's able to, you know, choose to learn and understand like their, their cultures and customs, then they, they're probably also going to say like, Hey, like this, this company, you know, appreciates where we're coming from as well. Maybe what, you know, due to this, let's also, you know, partner with them because they're a company that knows where we're coming from. Um, kind of thing. Um, it's it's respect thing. I think is what yeah, yeah. And uh, that that was one of the things that I did learn in in business class. Um, and it, it's stuff as simple as that. You know, I think I don't know if that's like that ties into like ethics, but I mean it it it's somewhat somewhat relatable. Um, that's what that's what I remember learning. So well, I, I I think ethics are kind of almost ingrained into societies um i think one thing that jumps off the top of my head is how in america there's a there's a tipping culture yeah Mm -hmm. Um, oh right right go to japan if you tip that's it's it's almost like you're spinning in their face it's it's looked down upon because uh that's saying hey i don't think you pay your employees well enough for us to oppose in america uh employers are allowed to pay below minimum wage because of the, the expectation that people will tip but people mm-hmm. don't have to tip which is the thing mm-hmm. um i think for instance i know a lot of my friends and i don't look down on them or anything because of it but they used to not tip on uh uber eats or doordash or platforms such as that <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is which is uh you know you can say whatever you want about it but it's that's that's how people are making their livelihood and um 
Oh man, I kind of lost my train of thought on that. But <laughs> <laughs> like you how said, many ta- how many tangents did we make in this? Like regarding already, <laughs> I'm learning a bunch of shit that like I didn't. Re- I, sometimes I feel like I know a lot, and then I talk to I talk to my friends again, um, and I'm just like, holy shit, I don't know shit. That's why I'm friends with you guys. <laughs> That's why. This is why yeah. you guys are great people. This is why you guys are on this episode. Well, you guys have brought up great points too so far and yeah. i thought that, you know there's lenses and different opinions and viewpoints that uh i couldn't even fathom and i think that's i think that's why it's important to have discussions like these yeah um, because there, there's issues that don't get talked about enough because no. they're not fun to talk about or uh they just it makes people uncomfortable and i think that's that's not a great way to kind of live your life and mm-hmm. i think that's one thing that Loyola taught me is an unexamined life is not worth living yeah um just to tie everything back and together uh yeah yeah and i i got used to talk to speaking about these kinds of conversations with people like you guys like you osa and i sit, sat in the same planner um like i think didn't, didn't javi sit in the plan planner near us or did he sit in like the for lunch didn't you sit in like the didn't didn't y'all sit by the cub corner the store yeah we sat by there and then we sat near like george holmes and there there i I was with like matt richmond brady hassenberg uh okay yeah yeah yeah. you guys had your i was by like uh where we had magis oh i remember that area that room's called but yeah that's yeah. a nice ass room. <laughs> I'm yeah. starting to re- I'm starting to remember that was a nice room. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to give context to any of the listeners out there, yeah, uh, Loyola didn't have lunch tables or a cafeteria. No, we lived in Southern California, and we'd get rain maybe six or seven times a year, so everyone would eat outside on these planters underneath the beautiful sunshine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Osa was my planner, and I think you know, we, like we were just a school that just got used to talking about these kinds of conversations. Like you just had like. You just had too many different personalities over there that you at some point you kind of just have to no not really have to but like you end up just getting caught in those kind in, in those conversations you just had those people over there and like i i'm grateful that i got used to talking about these kinds of things with you guys because that that eventually helped me find like the kinds of friends that i should be around in college you know like yeah. i absolutely when i say and i say this like so many different times a bunch of people and i i'm like the only one of my friends in college that could tell like could confidently tell people that i loved high school everybody else was telling me no i fucking hated it like me i i loved it um sure i mean we were blessed to go to a great high school and dude, seriously i mean the the people there that were fantastic and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of teachers were fantastic i'm not saying all of them were because <laughs> some of them definitely were not but <laughs> the most general part it was the the population that Loyola tracks is absolutely brilliant minds and uh just kind of the salt and the earth people and i i'm very grateful like you said that uh because it, it really has dictated what kind of relationships i have with people nowadays um you know it's not superficial it's not just yeah. Oh, sports, 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 which is what we started with. But you it, know, is, sports, it, it is, it is <laughs> absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but that, I don't think that's the only to be the only thing to talk about. And I, I, you know, like you said, I'm grateful to have friends like this because then we can actually have meaningful discussions. Yeah, and I think the same. The thing is, like, I wasn't even like I'm getting closer to Javi now. Like, I remember when I remember I started getting becoming better friends with Javi when I had like Dr. Diaz with this guy. 
because mm-hmm. you're Javi was in my class and I like I would pass by him all the time. Javi sometimes is around after school. And, you know, the good thing about our place is that like if you see a kid that you just think you could talk to, go ahead and talk to him. And then they, you know, just reply back to you. And then you have a good conversation that way. That's how I became friends with Javi. And then, you know, it started with that class. And I think I had modules with him. And then I remember like every time I came back for games, like I would still see Javi at games. And, you know, he approached me first. Sometimes he was like, dude, how's Arizona? Like, you know, it's great. (laughs) And then like, look at this now I'm in the same, I'm the same group chat with this guy. So (laughs) it's cool. It's cool. Um, and then Javi, when you said you transferred, um, where'd you go before Loyola? Um, so I I went to a school called Pilgrim school, really small school. Yeah. Koreatown. Um, I do know that school. Yeah, it was it was you know it was convenient for my parents. Um, yeah, they knew the headmaster there, and uh-huh. it was a small school, so I was I was okay there. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, and then brought this dude to Loyola. I mean, look at this. I'm still friends with you guys. Obviously, even more. But I, like, I need to get I need to go to a game with you guys. Um, I mean, hey, it's good. game. They finally opened up uh, tickets. A what? Kings game or a Dodgers game or Lakers game? Let's go to something. I'll go in. A, I'll go in a couple months. Um, I I'm uh, still I'm my second backs tomorrow. So I know I'm still. It's still like a. It's still like a weird spot that I have with my. I don't know what it is, man. Like I because your whole family vaxxed? Is it? Here's the thing. They are. They yeah. are. But i don't know i don't know what it is i mean because the thing is i know i'm not a dumbass and i know i'm not gonna be i'm not reckless i know i'm also fully vexed the thing is i'm safe but like i don't know i don't think they're i still don't entirely think that they're comfortable letting me go freely to like other most places you know so that's why i'm always like hesitant to say like to commit to any plans i don't i don't know if like if you guys feel that way too like i don't know like i don't know because you guys live with your parents again right did you guys all move back home with your parents like after undergrad yeah yeah i mean like i i'm, I'm fully vaccinated too yeah um, and uh, you know i'm i did the whole like wait two weeks after each shot thing yeah um like i think like like i went out the other day and uh-huh. it was kind of like i was being safe. <laughs> I, was, I was being stay safe and like had masks on and, yeah you know, i asked the other people that were vaccinated it's like you cr- like all the checklists you know but yeah it's just, like, in the back of your mind you're like fuck dude like i got kind of a headache is that from the alcohol or like do i have covid yeah and fuck, like my parents are above 50 like i don't want to uh-huh. bring it to them because yeah and it's just kind of like i think that part even though my parents and my sister's vaccinated that part i i can't i probably won't be able to shake for at least like three more months i think yeah, yeah. and i think that's why like i'm, I'm i still can't entirely commit to you know, going to games and whatever we did during normal life, because I don't think, I don't think like, I know my value. Like, I don't, I don't think I know what exactly to do, you know, even though I know that there's a checklist to, you know, be safe. But the thing is like, when I come home, I'm still going to feel so guilty. It feels like the weirdest walk of shame, you know, (laughs) like, like you come home, like you go hang out with your friends. You probably hang out with like your three trusted friends that day. And then you come home and then you get like those suspicious eyes, like, okay, like, or what was the environment like? Like, were they safe for people around you wearing masks? Like, I, I just know that there's questions coming around. Um, 
it's just weird, man. It's just weird. I feel like here's the thing. If I was still in Arizona, I personally would like, you know, okay, I'm fully vaxxed. I'm fine. I'm just not going to be a dumbass. I'd probably just, you know, I, I'd probably go out, you know, and see my friends and go out to the bars like normally. But because I'm here, like I, I can't, I, it seems like I can't, I still can't make a decision for myself. And it, it's weird, man. But okay. like, like what Javi said, three more months is when I'm probably going to be like even more comfortable. To, yeah. You know, it's, it's so weird. It, sure. And I think, you know, it's, it's going to take a while for us to finally or, or feel that we're fully, you know, adaptable and back kind of back in reality. Yeah. After, you know, a year and a half, I think mm-hmm. there's some social anxiety because of that. Mm-hmm. But um, kind of going back on your point, um, as someone who lived with uh, people who are at very high risk of COVID, yeah. um, I did, I rarely went out um, until I was vaccinated. And, you know, I was grateful that they got vaccinated before me. Mm-hmm. But at some point, when do you have to trust in the efficacy of the vaccine? When do you have to say, hey, um, is there a point between balance between being safe and being mm-hmm. uh by your fear i i would say yeah um, and for me i mm-hmm. trust in the vaccine you know i trust bill gates i trust that the microchip is gonna work well yeah <laughs> i do too <laughs> i really do i'm joking of course but um, <laughs> yeah and so i uh, i think that you know one thing that i have witnessed throughout this whole COVID epidemic and pandemic and whatever mm-hmm. uh, is the idea of which the news has ruled over people. Um, because I was one of those people, I would mm-hmm. always check the LA Times, I would always check the positivity rate, I would check the infection rate, I would check the hospitality rate. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the hospital, uh, the IC rate, I would check yeah. everything because. I found it a interesting and B I was worried about the people around me mm-hmm. in the past week alone, California has had in the past three days, mm-hmm. no COVID deaths in Los Angeles. Yeah. We have some of the lowest case rates in all of America, yet we still have some of the highest restrictions. Um, and I'm not arguing to just, you know, open everything and let there be no heart, no bars hold yeah. on you know, the economy, but a quarter of all small businesses closed in the last year. Mm-hmm. It's, and at the same time that, you know, the top Fortune 500 companies had the best years of their entire uh, company's careers. Yeah. Is that right? I don't think so. No, uh, so, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and so what I think is at the end of the day, um, California is on track to vaccinate enough of their people to where, you know, I think it's the quote unquote number, safe. Yeah, I think the magic number is 70 percent. Yeah. Right. They said if you're 16 and older, you don't even need an appointment now. Right. Yeah. I'm going to start vaccinating 12 and older in the next two weeks. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I'm so happy for that. I want people to be able to live their lives again. Mm -hmm. And uh, for even the people that choose not to get the vaccine, Mm -hmm. the thing is, if the other people around them are vaccinated, it creates an environment where the virus cannot put its fangs into the society and it yeah. cannot create this extreme risk of if it gets to one person is going to affect three others and that person, mm-hmm. those three people are going to affect six others and nine others and exponential after that, which is what we saw. Um, 
But what thing, one thing that worries me is the companies that are making the vaccines, they're mRNA vaccines, right? Yeah. They're the best on the market, they're the best of what they do. They've mm-hmm. been well-researched ever since 2005 with the original SARS uh, outbreak. Um, at what point does America look at itself and say, hey, everyone who wants to get vaccinated has been vaccinated. When mm-hmm. do we go help our neighbors? Because India is currently fucked. Yeah. COVID. It is awful. It is so bad. And my heart aches for those people. At what point do those American companies say, hey, the American people, they've had their chance. Everyone who's been vaccinated has been vaccinated. How do we go? And, I'm not saying it's our job, but it's the these there are American companies. How do we tell the American companies, hey, you need to go help Mexico. You need to help go help Canada. You need to go help Japan. You need to go help India. Um because the world needs to get restarted and yeah. i think it should be priority number one i wonder um, if i don't know if you guys saw but i wonder if that's uh that came out today i wonder if that's why biden's considering garcetti to be ambassador to india you know just because of how oh that's news to me of how much me too, yeah. of, of how much uh la county has been vaccinated i wonder if that has any sort of connection well if if you look at how la county started the vaccination process we started off dead last we were 48th out of 50. We were terrible at vaccinating people. Yeah. And then we kicked open Dodger Stadium. We kicked open vaccination sites at fire departments, police departments all over the county. Mm-hmm. And we did a fucking fantastic job with it. And I think that's just shows the, the resiliency of Angelinos and their willingness not to just lay down and die. Number mm-hmm. one. And number two, um, I mean, I mean, that's, that's great that Garcetti that, might yeah, be in India because no, they- that is that is a good thing. I I am I am really happy that like he that Garcetti did really push this. Um, with as much criticism as he receives from, I don't love know, all his policies, but yeah, uh, I think he I think. Oh no, I think he did a great job at like you know, in terms stopping, of yeah, stopping yeah. the spread in L.A. Because um, January got awful, mm-hmm. really really bad. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was talking to one of my friends about this the other day and I look at the end of the day, like it is your choice. Mm-hmm. I'm telling everybody this, this is your choice. If you want to take it, I'm not going to, if you want to take it or not, I am not going to get mad at you because like, I'm not in control of your life. There is but a right some, choice, Yeah. But, but sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes like, I'm just so annoyed of like everybody in this social climate to the point where I'm just like, how about like, sometimes I just want it to be, want there to be an easy answer. Where I'm just like, all right. What if you just like make everything mandatory, like make these vaccinations mandatory so that everybody can shut the fuck up about feeling obligated, like, obligated to say what they think. It's like, I don't give a shit about you. Like, I don't care. Like how I don't, I, I don't know who you are. And like, you still feel obligated to be an asshole and tell me absolutely how you feel about this. It's just like, okay. I, I mean, I work at, I work at a health, I work at a health spa and you know, my, our policy is just wear a mask because that's our, that's our policy. And we just want to abide by the CDC. I do not want to hear what you feel about mask and what it has to do with alien C from like a planet that we don't even know about. You know, that's the one thing that's just annoying me. That's like sometimes just like, dude, like we just asked you one simple thing. And then all of a sudden, like you just made it so hard, you know, like that's, that's my one single frustration because I do work in sales and I hear that too much. And then I just like, I also just hear everything is just amplified on social media, everything is amplified on news of these, you know, of, of like how people feel about it, which I yeah, get. I, and I think that you, I think you could feel a certain way. 
but it's like oh my god well it's it's often an echo of their uh peers opinions yeah it's um, number one and yeah number two, uh, look i don't like wearing a mask do either of you guys like wearing a mask it's so annoying let's be real it's not, it's so it's annoying not, I, I, I'm not right now, but I normally wear glasses, bro. Oh my god, if, if, dude, wear, that's double for us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not for wearing a mask, but look, yeah. I wear a mask because look, the science might still be out there on if masks yeah. work, but distance and mask combined definitely does something. It works. So I mean, I can, I know of, that. If it if it causes a minor inconvenience for me to wear a mask, I will wear the mask in the very off chance even if it's a small chance that mm-hmm. it does something because yeah. I care about the people around me. I can't say that for every average American citizen because yes. inconveniences are apparently liberties and freedoms, which is don't get me started on that. Um, no liberties and freedoms are a little more defined and a little, yeah. Some people mad because they've never been oppressed before. They've never had, <laughs> They never had something taken away from them. I'm being real. Like, I'm being real. I'm being real. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that goes back to your whole point, Adrian, of what you're saying. You know, I'm fully vaccinated and people around me are fully vaccinated, but am I going to go wear out in public and not wear a mask? No, because I'm just going to go tell person A or person B, oh, that dude's not wearing a mask. I'm not going to wear a fucking mask, even though I may not be vaccinated. Um, I just hate to be the person that spread it i love people too much to be able to do that you know like mm-hmm. even though i am like my neighbors might not be i don't even know if my neighbors are vaxxed like my neighbors like down the street i don't sure. want to be the reason why they get caught like i have i've been vaxxed i'm safe my family's safe i just love people too much man like i i i, I don't i don't doubt that and yeah you know, for six seven years and absolutely um but at the same time, I think there's a yeah. balance between, you know, kind of living in the fear and living under safe conditions. I think yeah. it is, you know, safe to go out and have a bite to eat with two or three friends. Yeah. I think it's okay to go take a hike with a mask on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, as soon as we reach that 70% number of, you know, the other 60% vaccinated and the 5 to 10% coming from people who've had it with the antibodies. Yeah. I think COVID numbers, and we've we've already seen it. I think they're going to drop drastically. Yeah. Uh, I think the one thing that surprises me most is Texas is pretty well vaccinated, but they opened up a month ago, and yeah, uh, they they don't have mask rules. And you know, I'm not making generalization. Of, you know, Texas. Yeah, that's the other. I I do want I do want to understand. And, yeah, I. But I do want to know like how they're able to somehow regulate. Um, the spike in cases because like they have not had a spike yet yeah that, which is interesting if, i don't know if it's too early to tell mm-hmm. or if it's just not going to happen because yeah. the thing about covid is uh you know in august and september we we're like wow cases are really down mm-hmm. people actually feel like they can go out to eat all they just have to do is wear a mask and then we hit october november december january and shit hit the and it re-spiked yeah yeah it, it, to even higher numbers than in march april and may of last year yeah uh and so i i think it's a really funky virus i think that uh, uh it's it's there's there's just so many aspects and facets of it that have affected our lives either on the economic social political yeah. whatever you want scale 
it's it's really mind blowing and mind numbing that you know people say oh we're living through unprecedented times in history but it's true yeah and i got one last point before i toss mm-hmm. it over back to you and yeah it's that when people go through hard time and society is made up of people so therefore it is human mm-hmm. um when people go through a hard time they often forget about the lessons and the things that they learned during that hard time and i don't mm-hmm. think that's right um, I think that one thing I'm scared of is when this pandemic is over and when COVID is over, everything that we learned about companies, politicians, people around us, society, I hope that mm-hmm. those lessons aren't forgotten because yeah. I feel like, you know, oh, COVID's over. I'm going to go celebrate. I'd never want to think about that shitty time in my life <laughs> ever again. Yeah. Problem is you can't have happy times without the sad times. And I want people to remember those 600,000 people that Americans that died because that is very sad and I think we all know or know of people who have died from it and I think that's that's important and I really really hope that we as a society will not fail to remember those people and fail to uh, remember especially the lessons that we learned during this yeah um so you know, now we're, I'm going to end on this. I actually just came up with this out of my ass Um, to you guys, even though it's the weirdest thing to say, thank you to. um, Is there anything that, is there anything from the pandemic that you do think? Um, Cause I know that like for everybody, they had some sort of, you know, personal growth um, from it. Um, What could you say are a couple things that um, you benefited from personally, Javi would go with you first. If you got something. Um, I don't know. I think it would, I think it's kind of like, I think the first would be kind of top of my head, I guess. Um, you know, when you're not around everyone in college anymore, like Mm -hmm. the people, you know, who are truly going to be around and in your life for a long time are the ones that kept up with you. Yeah. Kind of asked you how you were, all that stuff. Um, I would say just kind of being an Angelino, like you guys know, like how different it is from like city council district to city council district, like mm-hmm. just thinking about all the like kind of kind of them being like broadcasting more all the inequalities just but be- just between like neighborhood to neighborhood is just like, I think that was very eye opening. Yeah, like just seeing like how many black and brown students, like when I was working at the mayor's office, you know, um, seeing how many black and brown students like uh, didn't actually attend, couldn't actually attend virtual school because of lack of resources and things like that. I could just, I could just never imagine like just being like, well, like I can't go to school anymore because, you know, you don't have access to it. Yeah. Anything from like Wi-Fi to like, you know, no in-person teaching anymore. So it's like, you know, and it's hard to, or just, or just parents who had to work like very like hands-on jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, had to be like, couldn't be near their kids and things like that. So I think that was really eye-opening, just kind of like how blessed and how lucky a lot of us are, mm-hmm. um, even just from people like not even like eight miles away or something like that. Um, and I guess the third one would be kind of, um, when it comes down to it, like all of us are like, kind of the same to a point like when you like when you see how people were when at at the start of the pandemic like how people were when people were scared you know Mm -hmm. people couldn't see light at the end of the tunnel I think 
um, you kind of got to saw, you kind of got to see like how, like people's true character and how they reacted to those situations. And it's kind of like, wow. Ew, that was scary to look at it. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. You know, like a lot of us, like we're not different from each other. Like when you take away just kind of like, you know, like, I don't know, like job title, like everyone had to be taking their job titles, you know, titles as a student, mm-hmm. you know, just like presences on campus. It was just kind of like, man, we, we all just kind of huh. the same, you know, like, yeah. Um, and I guess the last thing would be like, uh, you know, kind of like trying like com- comparison and en- comparison and envy is kind of the thief of joy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think in past years, you know, everyone kind of was like, "All right, I graduated with this kid and he has a job already, and I don't, and all this stuff." And just yeah, like, you know, we all graduate into like shitty job market the worst right. job market <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was just kind of like you know all of us that do have jobs it's like yeah it's not like a bragging thing anymore it's mm-hmm. kind of like great man, I'm so blessed and i hope like you guys can find something too because yes here you know what I'm yes saying? it really uh, is i i'm blessed to work a couple jobs right now and i know you guys work too so it's yeah just a lot to be thankful for absolutely absolutely and then, oh so what do you have Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, personally, the pandemic was really tough. There's a lot right. of things that I don't want to get into, but uh, yeah, that's all right. Very, very tough. Um, but uh, you know, somehow through the through the thick of it all, there's there's beauty in life, and I think one of the things that I've taken away from it is how you got to look at life as a comedy and it's not a drama. It's not, um, it's not a sci-fi movie. It's, it's a fucking comedy. And yeah. what I mean by that is we are here for such a brief instant. It is so brief mm-hmm. and I'm just grateful that uh, I get to enjoy that briefness. Even, you know, I felt immense pain during the pandemic. I felt immense joy um and you know i just you you gotta be able to take it all and not take it personally and you know at the beginning of the pandemic not having a graduation not finding a job immediately Mm -hmm. um other things going on in my life as well uh it was it was really hard to find that and uh you know i just i hope that other people can hopefully sense what i'm feeling with you know the like you said, Adrian, with the light being at the end of the tunnel now. Right. Um, I hope people, you know, see and find a new appreciation for the things that we do have and uh, the things that we can make better and the things that are out of our control because nobody a year and a half ago could have said, oh, a virus is going to come and kill, you know, millions of people. And we're not, no government, no person is going to be ready for it. And, uh, I think that's my biggest takeaway is just being able to still breathe and uh, be able to pursue what I want. And I hope other people and, you know, help other people pursue that too. And I think that's, uh, I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned out of this pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I mean, besides, besides me being even, I mean, everybody knows that I'm already close to my family, but besides like, you know, getting even closer to them and um, you know, learning 
about them now at an older with an older mindset and older perspective, I would say like, I mean, I would say like the most valuable thing that I really got out of this was like being a better listener and learner. I mean, cause I, like we see like at some point in pandemic, we, all we had was whatever was on our phone mm-hmm. and whatever was on TV. Mm-hmm. And so everything was a little bit more amplified and um, that would, that would basically get conversations buzzing with your friends. And yeah. um, that just led to, you know, you ending up, to end up talking to, you know, multiple different friends, like throughout this time. And then of course, like it, at some point you figure out and you notice that everybody sees and understands things differently. But, you know, just because I, you know, had those so many different kinds of conversations like that, it just made me more, uh, it just made me such a much better listener and, and learner for people. And I think, you know, in doing so that ultimately, I don't know, it, it, it somehow made me more comfortable with myself too, you know, just doing that, you know, I think like, I mean, look, I'm, I'm starting to learn like based on where I work at. Um, I'm like younger than everybody by like what, four years mm-hmm. and every single person. And it's weird to say, because all like most of my friends are only like what at max two years older than us or most of my friends are around the same age as me. So it's always so weird to hear from people like, Oh my God, like you're so young. It doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like that when you have, um, when most of your friends aren't that much older than you, but like, guys, we are like, whoever says that, whoever says that post like undergrad is supposed to be your prime is your, is fucking bullshit. Like we're not stable right now. You know, like this is what I'm going to tell for all of you. And I'm telling you guys here, since you aren't you're on this episode, like you guys have so much time left. If you guys like haven't figured everything out yet, don't fucking panic. Like you guys have a good support group of friends here that will help you get through that. Um, And at some point you're going to figure it out. Maybe you guys have an idea of where your path is going to go. Maybe not, but honestly, who cares? Take as much time as you need. Um, And I think I got that, you know, definitely with, you know, listening to different people, hearing what they have to say, um, ultimately making you know, making me just comfortable to, to realize that. So I'm past, I'm gonna pass that on to you guys. Um, That's great advice. Yeah. We got this boys. We really do. Um, Jesus. All right. Yeah. We hit the 98 minute mark. So I think this is definitely the, I think this is actually officially the longest episode. So I'll <laughs> see you guys like, let's, 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 let's give a round of applause. You know, <laughs> I mean, as thanks for having us, dude. And yeah. Great being um, with you. So, closing remarks from you guys whoever wants to go first um yeah anyone want to admit they have a crush on each other yet <laughs> oh, man a- adrian you looking fine as hell with that way <laughs> <laughs> dude everybody here's looking good by the way um like javi you look good oc you look great i love the salad thanks dude um, been working on it <laughs> no dressing no dressing um but yeah uh close your marks anybody um words um, motivation um i would just say like yeah it was great to be here and you know you know like i feel like you don't there's not enough time times where you have like kind of substantial like deep conversations with people yeah and, you know like i'm glad when i was telling you like hey what do we talk about on the podcast like you didn't tell me that much because it's just all we said it was just real like authentic yeah stuff so uh-huh um I thought this was really fun and 
getting to know you guys even more than I already did. So that was great. Yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, so what you got for us? No, I just echo Hobby's points. I mean, it's, it's I love having these common kind of conversations and yeah, what people did to have them as well. And if you know your podcast is reaching any listener, it would be one, whether it may be a hundred, a thousand, million, yeah. whatever it is. If one person hears, you know, something good that we had to say, then you know, my two hours here was completely spent well worth it with you boys. Yeah. Um, and then if to anybody listening, if you guys hear something, um, if you guys hear something that maybe you don't like necessarily agree with, we want to keep learning. So tell me, let me That's know. You can tell we'll talk, we'll talk to you guys. Like we'll do or a live or have your <laughs> in person. Who knows? Who knows? Oh yeah. You know what? Like before I do close this, I remember I was, I was telling my friends because like this podcast, I made it for you guys. And like, I, I made it because I was bored over the pandemic, mm-hmm. but I was like, I was thinking, and this is where, this is where the tracksuit party that I talked to you guys about, like comes into play. Like if I ever one day have my own place, which you like, will. which I will, like, I was thinking like, what if we made Friday nights, like just a recording party and like everybody who just shows up gets to watch a live recording of like me doing an episode. Cause I totally want to do that. Like, <clears throat> so, you know, and then it'll be cool because everyone's going to like meet everyone's gonna meet everybody who was a guest in the pond they're just like oh my god like osa and javi like you guys had such good points about um about college sports and who knows where it goes from there kind of thing so it also be funny to like hear some people's live reactions i would i would be yeah someone admits it like never mind i don't even want to say it but anyways yeah um gentlemen thank you um thank you for being on pod this is actually the first time i record an episode where there's like three different boxes so there's that um you guys are the second episode where i don't wear a hat i usually wear a hat in every episode but also wore the hat for me today and then and then my my boy wario is wearing the hat all right there i'm pointing at him now um you guys kind of saw a live reaction to the dodgers losing in front of us so um lots of events there so wait till we get healthy yeah. Oh no, we're good. I think I think we're good, but I still hate this team. So, <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, gentlemen. Um. Once again, thank you for having me here. Um. To those listening. Um. Once. Thanks for flying, and you stay that way. Love you guys. Uh.